500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks, enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom, he finds you. G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. My name is Captain Danny Fraser, Phantom Club member 6140, and tonight I'm joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jermaine? Not bad yourself, mate. Very good, very so good. So that's a funny way to introduce yourself. Is there a particular reason for that, Mark? Mate, it's the only way to introduce yourself when you are a uh, member of the Phantom Club, and I, I probably should have been doing it all this time, uh, but I feel like I have to do it tonight because uh, our podcast tonight is a Phantom Club of Australia special where we go back and have a bit of a, a retrospective look at what was one of the the key one of the key institutions, I suppose, uh, that helped to drive the Phantom in Australia. Well, you probably got through the Phantom, the Phantom Club, and then the podcast probably coming in a, a nice third, <laughs> a very distant um, third. <laughs> but yeah, no. So we're talking about one of the, you know, the, the key moments and uh, the key driving moments of Phantom history in Australia. Um, I just wish, you know, I don't say this, but I almost wish I was like ten years older or had the ability to go back and actually like become a member. But I missed out becoming a member, which I still am very dirty on. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it'll be good, it'll be good fun this one. Yeah. So for for those who've come in late and don't know uh, what the Phantom Club of Australia was, it was a uh, a club that was started by a man called John Henderson who lived in Cooparoo in Brisbane in 1981, um, and it was a club that went through right through till about 95 or 1996. Uh, it was called the Independent Phantom Club of Australia from 1988. And uh, basically it was something that was advertised on the back of Phantom Comics, through Phantom Comics, and uh, you could write in and uh, send in uh, an entry fee or a joining fee, which was, I think, for me when I joined was $10 for a junior member for the, for the annual fee, or you could become a life member for $100. There was a system of ranks that uh, members were issued. That's how I got to become a captain after five years of, uh, of being there, and that's where I was when the, when the club sort of folded. So... Uh, my favourite moments of being a, a member, as I've said, um, was just being able to see the ranks go up. I was I was given my f- membership by my parents for my birthday um, when I was turned 11, um, and so I joined in 1988. Um, I really loved being, as, as an 11, 12, 13-year-old, I loved the idea of the club salute. There was a password you could use to identify other members, which was... You were sort of notified about what that password was in the Jungle Beat, which was the newsletter that they put out um, four times a year. Um, I had my club ID card. That was just about the first card that ever went in my wallet well before I had a um, an ATM card or certainly a driver's licence or anything like that. And a, uh, a calendar would come out most years as well and get posted to, to members, which was really, really cool. Um, and I really loved the fact that there was so much cool fandom stuff to buy, and you've sort of already alluded to that, Jermaine. Um, as a teenager, I really liked the little stuff that you could get to, that I could afford, the 5 and $10 stuff, so the, <laughs> the postcards and the stickers and that sort of thing, and, and they remain part of the pride of my collection um, as, as it is now. So, um, As you said, Jermaine, unfortunately, you are just a bit too young this time and missed out. So, 
Yeah, well, back in 81, I wasn't even a glint in my mother and father's eye. I wasn't born until 83. Um, and then I didn't become a, 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 a collector or a phantom reader until probably 95 and then became serious probably, you know, probably late 90s. And, yeah. and I, from Country WA, not, you don't really get much out there. You're lucky to get a phantom comic, um, you know, out in the bush. Um, so, yeah, I missed out on it. Um, it wasn't really until probably uh, the Deep Woods website until I found out about it. And um, then I tried, to, you know, and ever since then, so that's probably 99, so what are we now, almost 20 years I've been trying to to fulfil my missed childhood yeah. and, uh, and, and and get a few things. So I've got a few of the, uh, like the... Um, Stickers and a, about a few of the Jungle Beat newsletters and that, yep. but um, yeah, it's still on one of my my wish list or my wants list is to kind of update a little, you know, update yeah. what I need. Well, obviously, last podcast we spoke to Wally Lewis, who mentioned to us that he was a um, a member of the Phantom Club back in the day. So we thought that the best way to to reminisce and and sort of retrospective and have a look at what the Phantom Club was is to talk to a couple of members who were around at the time, um, and we're very lucky to have life member number 001, President John Henderson, has joined us. G'day, John. How are you? G'day, Dan. G'day, Jermaine. Hi. Hi. A special greeting to Olga Kiriakov, our <laughs> famous club secretary. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dan. Hello, Jermaine. Hello, club members. Hello, fandom fans. Wonderful. There's been probably a... There's, there's a whole heap of them that have just had that whole little <laughs> moment. <laughs> I could just hear them doing it right now that they're, they're listening to you too. So, um, yeah, we'll let them have a moment and then um, they can come back and listen to us. So, for the record, um, Olga is also a life member of the Phantom Club number 2800. So, welcome aboard to both of you. Very delighted to, um, to have Phantom Royalty in Australia in many ways uh, join us on the podcast today. Uh, it's great to be here, um, to speak with a couple of Phantom fans, to catch up with Olga again, uh, to reminisce about uh, the great days of the Phantom Club. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you, Dan, for the invitation. No, not at all. Um, so quickly before we start talking about the Phantom Club, maybe we could get a little bit of um, your own background, um, each of you, John and Olga, about um, how you became a fan of the Phantom um, you know, do you still read the Phantom comics? Do you still collect um, Phantom memorabilia, that sort of thing? Just a little bit of your own background, if you could. Well, Olgie, do you want to go first? Ladies first? Um, I guess so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got introduced to the club um, by one of John Henderson's friends. I think his name was Richard. Am I correct there, John? can't remember. Well, no, a few Richards. Okay. Um, anyway, it doesn't quite matter. What had happened yes, was... Yes, it um, does. Who was, that? Who was that, Olga? Well, it was Richard Tooley or Tools. Oh, it Tools? Yeah. Richard O'Neill. Tooley O'Neill. Oh, I don't know which Richard it was, but he was working yeah. for a community service who was getting people jobs, etc. Anywho, um, my father right. passed away. Anyway, I remember that, Olga. That was fantastic, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. That, you Tully, like Richard, Tully. Tully yeah. is um, one of my brother Drewy's very best mates from State High. Well, this is how I met you. Don't, have you That's forgotten right. that? 
Uh, yes, it's coming yes. back to me now. There we go. Yes, Wonderful. Okay, so um, and basically I was unemployed, but I was going to a community centre. Back back then, we, we didn't have um, you know Centrelink. It was um, basically the doll office at the end of the day, and you had to go to a community service sort of to learn new skills, etc. Um, unfortunately, my father got killed um, in a car accident. He was walking across the road and he got killed instantly and that left mum and I alone. Um, I have no brothers or sisters or aunties or uncles or anything. And I'd just like to say at the end of the day, John, that, um, yeah, you took me under your wing and just like the legend goes, um, I didn't have my dad and I had no one else, but you gave me the job, which was really good. And from there on, um, for eight years, I just had someone that I could trust. And just like the Phantom, he was many men in that regard that he helped me with a job firstly, most instantly. And then after that, I knew about the Phantom comics, of course, but I wasn't really right into them, unfortunately. But of course, working at the Phantom Club for eight years, I basically, yeah, uh, turned into a bit of a fanatic myself, um, knew all the history, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it was just a real... A real thrill to work for for John and back then I must say a hello to Kenny Evans if you're listening who uh, also was vice president there so um, both of them took me under their wing as the phantom legend goes and um, yeah I just wanted to throw that in and uh, yeah at the end of the day very very thrilled to talk to you Dan um, as you know um, you sent me a letter that I wrote to you 30 years ago when you were a bit mm. bullied <laughs> um, and the kids at school thought you were reading junk, etc. And look where you are now. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? What happens in history? That's just just out the there. Kids still, the kids still the kids still tease them at school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a teacher now, and I've got some phantom stuff up in my staff room, so uh, I do still hear about it. <laughs> but that's my story, and that's how I got interested in. Do I read a phantom comic? And if it's in the paper, I'm afraid, fellas. Um, I'm I'm of an age. <laughs> A lot of things have happened in 30 years, but um, no, I still love the idea, the concept, the comradeship and everything that went with the whole the whole package. And for doing that for eight years was just an absolute honour. And thank you, John. Uh, look, it was it was so wonderful when uh, Tuli introduced you to us and, and you know, we were looking for a club secretary and... Um, yeah, immediately, um, you know, we, we took a strong liking to you and we could just see what a, a lovely, genuine person you were who would uphold all the noble phantom values and beliefs and it was um, not a hard decision to um, to brainwash you to become a phantom fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <see> much. That. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and they were they were eight wonderful years that we we had uh, there. You know, we, we had all the highs and lows, and we might talk about some of those as we go through. Um, but Olga, you were just a critical and indispensable member of the team once you settled in, and uh, it was fabulous um, getting to know you and become you know close friends and to share all the laughs and tears that we shared and to share the the whole phantom roller coaster. Um, yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. It was a special time, and I'm I'm really uh, glad that uh, you were part of such a critical part of the team. Thank you. 
John. We haven't spoken to each other for 30 years. Do you guys realise that? This has had an opportunity for us to even chat, let alone to you guys. So, it's, yeah, without you guys, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, so thank oh. you. Anyway. No, glad to help. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> so, so, John, um, what about yourself then in terms of how you became a fan? And I guess that will lead towards um, where you came up with the idea to, to actually kickstart this fandom club and, and get it going. Well, they're two quite separate things. Oh, okay. Um, like many people of my age and and younger and older, um, my first contact with the uh, the Ghost Who Walks was at the Brisbane Ecker in the show bags when, <laughs> if you were lucky, you'd get a Phantom comic in your show bag. And I remember... I might have been around about Dan's age when he joined the club, around about 11 perhaps, and I got my Eka show bag one day and it had issue number 344 in it, uh, which was actually quite a special issue in its own right. It was the Queen Samaris, the 12th story. Ah, of course. Uh, which was drawn by uh, Bill Lignanti. And it's one of the few stories or uh, illustrations where you get to see the Phantom's eyes. That yes, was one of yes. Bill Lignanti's um, trademarks. And I'm not sure about all, a lot of details after this long in time, but I think Bill might have only drawn three stories or so. Um, but, um, yeah, I, so uh, Queen Samaras the 12th was a, was a really interesting little story, I thought, um, where... Uh, a spell had been put on Queen Samaras that she could live forever as long as she never fell in love. So she took this bargain with the witch um, and what would happen, um, she would never age. She would stay young and beautiful forever, which was her desire. And she never thought any men were good enough for her, so she never had a problem about falling in love. And what would happen was as her kingdom, the people, you know, around her um, got older, um, she would take herself away for a few years and um, come back as her daughter. Um, yes. So people you know, didn't get on to it that it was the same person, you know, it looked like her, et cetera, et cetera, but, you know, oh, that's her daughter sort of thing. Anyway, she did this 11 times and... Um, at the, at the, when she came back as Queen Samaras the 12th, um, the Phantom came into her, uh, kingdom for a particular reason. I can't remember now what it was. Some sort of roughneck was doing something or whatever. Or she might have, no, I think she was out hunting. Yeah, yeah she, she was, was yeah, she was hunting and went to Eden and she's, um, the Phantom stopped her. Yes, and she didn't like sort of being told, you know, what to do and she can't do this or that because she was Queen Samaras the 12th and always got, got her wishes. Um, anyway, so um, you remember the story in detail better than I did, but basically what happened, of course, was that um, she, because the Phantom resisted her charms, she was very titillated and interested in him and she and to cut a long story short she fell in love with the phantom and he he rejected her 
But at the moment she admitted that she was in love with him, the witch's prophecy or the witch's spell was undone and she aged like 300 years, you know, in an instant more or less. And she turned from this beautiful young woman um, to like a skeleton and then dust before his very eyes. And that's when you saw the phantom's eyes through the mask. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty cool story. And, uh, yeah, I really like this phantom. You know, he's, he didn't get his head turned by this pretty woman and who was a spoiled brat, basically. And the phantom sort of was above that. And he did the right thing about um, protecting his Isle of Eden and the animals. And he and I thought, yeah, he's an interesting guy. So and then just from that sort of point on, you know, my interest was stimulated and then I um, just, you know, came to sort of seek out comics, you know, without becoming like a mad collector straight away, you know, at the age of 11 or 12. Um, but I just became more and more familiar with the Phantom and, you know, read the odd, odd comic here and there and, you know, my interest grew and I saw um, what a great character he was and what a great character he had and um, the noble things he fought for. And I really liked the fact that he wasn't a superhero as opposed to, you know, most other sort of comic book, you know, heroes. The Phantom obviously is uh, a mere mortal like all of us. Uh, no superpowers as such, just his cunning and wisdom and strength and sense of justice, what, what um, inspired him and drove him on. And, of course, then the whole Phantom legend, you know, as I became more familiar with it all, the whole Phantom legend unfolded, um, how the first Phantom came about and things like that. And I found that really uh, interesting and quite inspiring. And, um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, from that point in time, from that little seed that was sown, Back with uh, issue number 344, I just, um, yeah, developed an interest over the years. So by the time I, I suppose, uh, finished school and in my early 20s, um, I was quite a strong fandom fan, yeah. Yeah, very good. So so that 344, you, you, you did very well there because that was the first um, printing of um, Samaras the 12th, Lignant's uh, version. Um, did you? So that's 15 years later then until you started the Phantom Club. So you said that there was two very different uh, tacks there. So so what was the? Where did the idea come from for the Phantom Club? And okay, um, I um, after school I, I went to uh, University of Queensland. I did law in the first year. I did arts in the second year. Then I worked uh, outside, and then I a few. I had a motorbike accident, and um, on the way to work one day, and I had to have a few months off work uh, with injury. And during that time, I decided I'd uh, go back and do some further studies in business management at QUT. In the old, in the old days, it was QIT, Queensland Institute of Technology. And so I did that, and um, after I graduated, um, I was just working, you know, around town with a few bis different businesses, including Greyhound Buses. I don't even know if they're still around anymore, but, of course, they were pretty famous. Um, and anyway, so what happened was eventually um, the legal processes, the wheels turned slowly, and... Um, Australia's largest telecom business, 
um, was uh, it was one of their trucks that ran into me when I was riding my bike to work. And um, we were going to court about that and they uh, offered me a settlement, um, which I took. And it wasn't all that much, to be honest. But it was enough for me to say, hey, I want to work for myself and do something else. What do I like? What have I got an interest in? What do I think other people have got an interest in? And, of course, The Phantom came very quickly to my mind, being the biggest selling comic in Australia. And I knew there were you know, tens of thousands of fans around. And like myself, there really, at that stage, there was very little else beside the comics that you could sort of get into. And I thought to myself, oh, the Phantom T-shirts were around. Dare Jennings had some Phantom T-shirts around. And I thought to myself, you know, like, I'm a Phantom fan. I'd love to have a Phantom poster. I'd like to have, you know, maybe buy a Phantom ring. I wouldn't mind some Phantom stickers, you know, and okay. and, And I thought, you know, there's a lot of information and camaraderie that could be shared, you know, Phantom history and Phantom get togethers with Phantom fans. Um, having fun like the Jungle Olympics, things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start the Phantom Club. So then I um, had to go through all the process, the legal process, um, to get approval from King Features Syndicate, um, owned by the Hearst Corporation. Um, they had the worldwide rights um, to the Phantom. They probably still have. I'm not sure. Yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, so I had to negotiate um, with their uh, head office in New York and with the uh, their Australian representatives based in Sydney. Um, and that all sort of proceeded. And um, eventually I was granted uh, the license to operate a Phantom Club and produce a range of merchandise. And so from my memory... On the 6th of November 1981, and it might have been issue 730 or 731, um, the first ad, our first ad on the back of a Phantom comic appeared with the jungle drums beating um, and Duran saying to the Phantom, you know, the jungle is restless, there's news, you know, big news is coming, blah, 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 Phantom Club or something or other. Uh, is starting up. So, yeah, that's where we started in late 81 from memory. Well, you absolutely oh. nailed the uh, the fruit cover. It was uh, issue 730 um, where the, the first Phantom Club appeared. So um, the memory's the memory's holding up pretty well so far, John. And I'll tell you something interesting also about issue 730. That was actually the first um, published um, non-Lee Folk comic in australia that was the first swedish um story yeah. oh, that's um there's some irony to that then given you know what i've read <laughs> of jungle beat in uh, your stance on um <laughs> fork versus the, the scandinavian stories yes i um i i didn't want to take it as a uh, you know a bad or negative sign and i had no choice you know in what they were publishing it just was a coincidence <laughs> the first you know, a Swedish uh, or Scandinavian story was actually the first comic that we advertised in. And it wasn't the worst of their stories. Um, it involved a submarine. You might, you, you guys might remember it better than I do. I don't remember the actual details, but it's something to do with a submarine. It wasn't it was a 
Submarine and the uh, Bermuda Triangle from memory? Yeah, it could have been something like that, yeah. Anyway, um, we were too busy and too excited to get held back by the fact, and we at that stage we had no idea, you know, what the history the Swedes, Swedes were going to have or the Scandinavian authors and artists were going to have, um, what their involvement was going to be in the future. Um, I thought at the time very much it was just a one-off because I was just happy to see all the uh, Lee Falk stories reprinted, particularly, you know, the, the older ones, which I always enjoyed more. Uh, well, speaking about more, Ray Moore, I always enjoyed um, those early ones more. So I didn't know, you know, this was a one-off or, you know, whatever, but it didn't matter. The Phantom Club was up and running and we were... We were too busy um, doing other things to um, worry too much about that at that stage. So was it an overnight success? Like, did you have people just flooding in or was it a slow trickle at start? No, it was um, pretty um, pretty torrential. <laughs> there seemed to be um, a lot of um, latent interest out there. Um, you know, we and I thought we had, you know, because we, we drafted up and designed everything from headquarters uh, with no formal training in design or graphics. But, you know, we used um, Phantom, um, Phantom uh, Art um, to promote, you know, the club and everything else, um, designing our products, etc. So I think people sort of, um, you know, picked up on that we're authentic and uh, yeah. we were keen fans ourselves i hope that came across that's the way it was and always was um and th there obviously was um as i thought there was a lot of lot of interest you know people were fandom fans yeah yeah but there was nothing much else to do except buy a fandom comic or get a fandom t-shirt and this was a um you know an opportunity i'm sure many fandom fans thought to um to get more into the um uh, the, the uh character so um, this is not a test, but I do have the answers right in front of me because I've got my uh, welcome to the club letter. Um, do you do you remember, John, what your your purpose or your goals were for the club when you when you first established it? Well, I, I know what they were. I don't know what's written down in front of you, but I know what they were and remember what they were. Sure. They were uh, things like the long along the lines of. Um, to create, you know, more opportunities for Phantom fans to, you know, get into the Phantom, you know, to to have um, to buy Phantom gear, um, to um, sort of Phantom community to promote the Phantom spirit and what the Phantom was all about. Um, they were sort of our major goals, just off the top of my head. Yep, no, that's um, there's six dot points here, and you've certainly covered four of them, and the other two. Um sort of go along with those, I suppose. So, um, one well, of the said it wasn't a test. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I can't help it. <laughs> oh, I'd be very interested to know um, what's written down on those six points. Okay. So the, the six points here are to provide official and public recognition of your support for the Phantom through membership to his club, to provide the opportunity for club members to learn more about the Ghost Who Walks and his great history, to provide club members with the opportunity to purchase a range of quality products, to provide club members and their friends with the opportunity to enjoy themselves at our sport and recreation activities, or SARA. To provide club members with the opportunity to express their thoughts and feelings through participation in the club's affairs and be assuming more responsibility with promotion through the ranks. And to encourage club members to individually and collectively support the Phantom in his struggle against evildoers everywhere. And I think that yeah, yeah. speaks yeah. to the club motto of we serve against evil. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, thanks for reminding me about them. That, that was wonderful. Yep, that's what we were all about, Dan. And yep. you achieved it, John. You achieved every one of them and so many more things. So, yeah, well done. We we achieved it, Algie. We, oh, okay. as we achieved all the our club members. Yeah, all the club members. Yeah, so as that, a group. That sort of brings us to the next question. Like, you, I must confess, as a member of the club, I never realised that there was um, it was a full time job for for not just yourself, but um, for you're actually employing other people, John. It must have been. Um, I suppose it's naive now to think that this could all be done just as a hobby. Um, but uh, yeah, for you to actually make this your your full time existence and to employ others, that's a that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, well, um, we were busy enough to, you know, have uh, three of us, pretty much three of us working full time. We were busy enough. Um, it didn't really generate the revenue that was <laughs> necessary to lead us in any great lifestyle. So the timing... Um, you know, it's always important, and and I'll also say that I made one really critical mistake in the early days, which I think hurt us badly. We can talk about that later. Um, but in those days, of course, it was all pre-internet. Okay, mm-hmm. so things like um, the Jungle Beats. You know, we used to photocopy them at home. You know, initially at least. We used to hand write envelopes, you know, yes. thousands of envelopes. Yes. And, and if your surname started with an S, it'd be lucky to get your jungle beat, really, because writers cramped with them and the ID cards, John. We did them by hand as well. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they may not have looked all that professional, but no, that was still good. So, yeah, it was all pre-computer. It was unreal. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, um, and things like the jungle beat, they were really expensive to do, <laughs> you know, photocopying, you know, I think they were generally 16 pages. I think that's what we'd like to do. And um, and then folding them into DL or thirds, sticking them in an envelope and even just folding them with, your, you know, the, the side of your hand, mm. you'd get blisters and your hand would be bleeding you know, you think about doing like three or four thousand of these things. You know, it was it was bloody hard work. And then handwriting, as Olga's saying, handwriting, you know, thousands of envelopes and stuff like that. Um, so it cost a lot of money. These days, it would be so much cheaper and easier and quicker. You know, we could obviously just send out, you know, bulk emails and do podcasts and do stuff <laughs> like that. So... The timing from that point of view was unfortunate in a way, but I mean, you know, that's the way the world was back then. And and uh, as Olga was suggesting, I can't remember Olga when we got our first sort of computer system in. Do you were you there when we got our first computer in? Oh yeah, that's the very first computer I even saw, and yeah. um, we didn't know what the hell to do with it. And um, <laughs> thankfully, you had someone come in and show us what to do, and a programmer and. We wanted labels. We wanted you to do all the, um, you know, jungle beats on, on on computer. So 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and the label, like I said, the labels were an absolute godsend, not just for the envelopes, but we could, there was still a task to stick the little labels on the little ID cards, but I got quite oh, professional yeah. at that at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but what a change from my little scrawl, and I apologise for any illegible <laughs> ID cards out there. They're um, collector's items, Olga. They are. They're quite hard to get a hold of these days because no one wants to um, uh, give them up. I've, I've got an envelope here, um, which I think was doesn't have a date, but that was that's got a, uh, a label on it. So, um, wow. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And, then, and it's got the little postage page, Australia um, skull mark stamp yes. up on the top corner yeah. as well. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, yes. Unreal. Yeah. But if you've got an envelope with a printed label on it, um, that is later in the piece, and I can't mm. put a year on that. Um, Olgie, what, what year did you start working with this? I think it was um, uh, 84. Yeah, I was twi- – no, I shouldn't tell my age, should I? Really? Shut up. Um, <laughs> 84. <laughs> yeah, 84. I just – no. Yeah, I was right. very young. Yeah. I, and, yeah. And you were there for a while before we computerised? Oh, absolutely. I, um, the Jungle Beat parties, you forgot, like, we had a lot of loyal club members that would, you know, just take time out to rock over – and we'd be there till three in the clock in the morning. Um, maybe some labels didn't look all that steady at that time, but uh, <laughs> um, we'd, we'd, it'd be a group effort. There'd be about ten people around the big table um, yep. at, at Club HQ. Anybody who's visited then would would know that table. <laughs> we'd all sit around it, and um, it, you know, pizzas would be ordered. They actually had pizzas back then, which is great. Delivered. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. a jungle beat party and it was a yeah. group effort and, you know, we mm. send one out and they all love it and they say, when's the next one out? Well, give us a chance. <laughs> 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 give us a chance. Yeah. So yeah, when the computer came in, it was so much easier, so much yes. easier, more it professional was. and much more easier. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a delight anyway. Couldn't have had it any other way. <laughs> yeah. And in so those days, a random I was just going to say, um, this was, you know, pretty much right at the start of, um, you know, computerization coming into certainly, you know, smaller size businesses. Um, and, um, you know, we had like a reasonable little computer. Um, but it, it cost, I think, $10,000. So just to get like a semi decent computer with, you know, some good, in fact, I think the software was called Open Access, um, and it was a shame it disappeared because it was a um, really good package. But anyway, it was a big investment for us to sort of move into that, and um, yeah, it just revolutionised <laughs> what we were doing there. Um, it was fantastic, yeah. But and of course, we saw that in the in the Phantom Chronicles, didn't we? Where you know, the Phantom, you know, of course, you know, the, the Tom Toms serve their purpose. But, you know, the Phantom does say on many occasions that, you know, he's got to keep up with the cutting edge technology to um, stay one step ahead of roughnecks. So, uh, yes. yeah, we were we were happy to adopt, you know, whatever technology would help us be um, bigger and better and badder. Yeah. And we're, and we're even seeing the Phantom with a smartphone in some of the stories that come out the last uh, few years. Yeah. So, 
He's keeping up. I'm not sure where he puts it. He doesn't have a utility belt or anything, but uh, he carries it around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's got some sort of uh, wearable device too these days because that's the way I think (laughs) we're So um, you've already touched upon a couple of stories, but have throughout the history, do you have some favourite moments of running the club of like stories or, or whether it was some of your Sarah activities or the social or, or meeting people or, and, and stuff like that? Were there any stories that, that, that remain, you know, that you treasure to this day as well that you would be able to share with us? Oh, Jermaine, every day was a special at the Phantom Club. Um, you know, every day we'd enrol new members, um, not only through the mail, but, you know, in person, people would come over to headquarters and sign up. Um, and every, every, every member was special to us. And it was, you know, we used to get some fabulous, fabulous letters and stories, you know, a bit like the one that Dan wrote to Olga about his experiences at school. Um, we really had a, a close and special relationship with the vast majority of members, even those, you know, who were in WA. Um, we had some real hardcore members in WA. <laughs> We've got to be hardcore just to catch up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, every day was special because there was always something going on, either new members or, we, you know, we, we got a load of, you know, posters in or new products in and we had back orders we had to fill and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if it's getting around, a, 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 you mentioned a Sara event, whether it was, you know, our, I think it's fair to say that, our Christmas parties were quite legendary and we had some beauties of those and we had some, uh, you know, like cricket, cricket days and things that, that, um, I'll just never forget. Uh, remember Big Chad, Olga? Big Chad, I certainly and, do. And the I Chad, moments, you know, oh, they, the memory, yeah. I mean, it, it just, just floods memories and I hope a lot of people out there are reminiscing about their old club memberships and people that they met and, and all sorts of things, because really, I mean, you just become instant friends. If, if you say you like the Phantom, then that's it. You know, you're, you're going to be a friend forever. I mean, it's just the yes. comradeship that blew me away about the whole thing. And people would come over to headquarters. You know, you don't know them from Barra, so you know. Well, you know them through conference. You know, just correspondence, etc. But they rock up and oh, g'day, g'day, and you know, have a look around. And the place was, you know, I, I wished, you know if we had like video or something like that of old club headquarters, John, because it was just obviously just an absolute skull cave, just an old Queenslander at Cooperoo, um, and, and the way that was decked out. Mate, we, we had tea bags hanging off a chandelier for some unknown reason, John. Can you express that? Why the hell? There is a story behind that. We won't bother anyone with that, but just the place was just unique. It was just unique. With, with the real skull, it was just like a skull cave, and... People were overwhelmed. They'd stay for hours, you know. We were just travelling past or whatever. (laughs) Okay, no worries. You know, we still do business and that, but they just were in awe of everything they saw and of meeting us, and we were in awe of meeting them at the end of the day. I mean, just excellent. And the amount of people we met and the letters and the correspondence, and it was unreal. And, you know, over 5,000 members, I mean, for goodness sake, from, from everywhere. It was just out there. 
So and that was a great anyway. scene, wasn't it, when um, when people would, um, you know, be visiting Queensland. I mean, so many people said to us, you know, like they lived in Sydney, New South Wales, you know, South Australia or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So many people said, you know, we planned our, you know, annual holidays around coming to see you guys oh, wow. <laughs> to Peru, you know. It was a tourist so, uh, trip. Yeah, yeah, we were a tourist sort of stop. <laughs> so many people. We got to go there. We go to Queensland. That's our first stop. Yeah, yeah. So how exciting. And that, that we feel privileged at the end of the day, you know, too. It was terrific. Really good. And, and you know, Olga was saying how the place was decked out with all sorts of phantom stuff. Of course it was. And, I mean, a lot of it obviously was things that, you know, we produced, but so much more of it was phantom you know, knick-knacks and paraphernalia and drawings and posters and knitted bloody socks, and all sorts of things that just our club members or even just fans, but usually our club members, had sent to us. And um, there was some just amazingly clever stuff. And and I, oh, could you remember um, on the wall now? You know your, where your you know where your desk was. Uh, uh, this is yeah, I do actually. Strangely right. enough, yeah. 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 Okay. So on the left hand side of that, there was that. I don't know. For well, anyway, for a while there was that sort of bed thing you could sit on. Yes. 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 Yeah. You're right, with the brown top on it, right? Yeah, and do you remember yeah. there was lots of posters and stuff you know, on the walls covering that? Yes, I do. Do you remember that one on blue paper, oh, maybe whatever, 40 centimetres by 40 centimetres, where one of our young members had done a story with the Phantom, in, like little stick figure drawings and things? Yes, yes I do, actually. That yeah. was so clever, wasn't it? It was so yeah. clever the the scripting and the wording and the and the sense of humour and the and the actual artwork itself. I can't remember who it was now, and I, I really hope he or she had has had gone on to do something with that talent. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was just really like special, and yeah. um, there were so many things like that that people obviously reached out from their hearts and their minds and people who obviously really felt the phantom spirit and knew what we were on about and they were on a similar a similar journey that we were um and uh, and they shared that with us the same as we tried to share what we were doing with them oh yeah it was really just just a special thing and getting back to what you're saying jane I, i think the highlight of everything was actually just meeting the fellow fans mm. yeah. and, and who, who, because obviously they lived perhaps in Brizzy. Well, yeah, definitely because they lived in Brizzy. The ones that we actually became really good mates with, the ones we became close with. Um, yeah. You know, Olgi, I'm thinking about like, you know, Chris Markwell and the Markwells, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you know, just really just special people. Just, yeah. just big- who just ooze the phantom character and the phantom spirit and people who you're just proud to call you know lifelong friends who probably we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for the phantom club big big kevin dorber Mm. used to fix my car all the time hey hello kevin god i hope you're still out there mate because what a guy he was he was unreal big bugger (laughs) hat flew over him mate it looked like a trucker 
But uh, you know, you wouldn't want to fight him in a bar or anything. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, he was—he he was a real personality, that fellow. And I tell you what, anything you want, anything you need, he's there and for any phantom person, anybody, you know. And so special, so special. Yeah, yeah. Dorba, Dorba really liked you, Olgie, too. You know. Ah. Oh, oh, of course well, he did. Cool. You know that. He was I super, didn't know that. He I was super keen on you. Of no, course. Diana, stop it. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, dear. I didn't know that. Okay. You did. You must. You <laughs> did. Stop it. I'm running into some sort of bloody soap opera. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the Phantom Club wasn't set up as a dating agency, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, that was just a benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I certainly picked up from, and even at the time, and, and, and reading through some of the correspondence just in preparation for tonight, um, it certainly seemed to be a really strong idea of, of the clubs to try and generate that sort of community feel in other places as well and, and have other people from, whether it's Perth or Adelaide or whatever, sort of establish their own chapter of the club, for want of a better word. Yep, that was part of like the the Sarah thing, sport and recreational activities that we wanted to do, and it was always our hope that you know we could set up really active sub branches and um, and groups around Australia, but I don't think we really ever. That's one of my great disappointments that we never really achieved that as much as I'd like to. I mean, there were meetings and get-togethers in different parts of Australia, and that was that was wonderful. Uh, and we tried to sort of do what we could. But, again, we sort of probably just lacked a little bit of the technology um, to sort of help make it happen. Um, there were sort of privacy issues about giving people other people's names and, you know, addresses and phone numbers. Yeah. And we sort of never really, really got on top of sort of how to do that properly. Uh, it was easier, obviously, in Brizzy because, you know, we could – see people, meet people face-to-face and say, hey, you know, do you want to come and do this or whatever? Um, so, yeah, it, it, most of the sort of activities as such happened in Brizzy. Um, but, yeah, we really wanted to, to spread the spread the word and, and the, and the uh, ability uh, for other fandom fans and club members to get together. We, we had some, you know, comic swaps in different places. We had a few sporting things happen in different places around Australia. Um, but yeah, we just, yeah, we just, and, and also financially, we didn't really, you know, we were never that financially strong, to be honest. We just never really had the, you know, backing resources to sort of do that as much. I mean, it would have probably taken like myself or Olga or both of us or Kenny Evans, you know, to fly down to somewhere like that and, yeah. you know, call a meeting and get people together. And we just didn't have the bucks to, you know, to do that basically. Yeah. And without the internet and email to sort of, you know, get people, you know, getting together like that, um, yeah. So that was a bit disappointing. But Even, I would just like to oh. add that um, we, we ended up, I mean, one of the jungle beats, you've got a directory of all the people that were giving discounts with goods and services that were club members. All you had to do was, you know, do the old um, password and the secret salute, and if you had a little ID card in your wallet, um, you know, we had a range of people, you know, saying come in for the, the hardware owners, this um, uh, sale board, you know, people, um, all sorts of goods and services, you know, a whole listing of them, no matter where. And they were worldwide, oh, Australia-wide, sorry, I should say. Yeah. Um, 
so that way, yeah. I mean, even if you know a Phantom fan needed, you know, something from a hardware, well, where else would he go? But you know, Bob's hardware, he likes member la la la, and you'd go there, probably chat and have a good conversation, and there's your comradeship mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also with um, basketball teams and footy teams and that, you you make oh, sure yeah. get discounts for you know a, a whole lot of our club singlets or our, our t-shirts, and you, you could get their club name printed on the back. I mean, for goodness' sake, you know? yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, we did. Have a, we had a lot of cricket teams and touch footy yeah. teams and basketball teams who yeah. you know were playing in phantom t-shirts or um, singlets and stuff. That's true. That's, yeah. I wonder if. No, that, that, because yeah, there's, there's a few of those clubs that still go on today, like the the Leeton Rugby Union Club, for instance, is the Phantoms. Um, there's a yeah. uh, Albury Wodonga has got a softball Phantoms, if I remember rightly. So there's there's quite a number of those still around Australia. I wonder how many of those sort of kicked off in the 80s with that sort of um, a discount um, for uniforms. Yeah. There's, there's a over 35 um, football team over in uh, Perth as well, um, the Fremantle Phantoms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. go. Yeah. See what you started? Yeah, in Townsville <laughs> there was a famous uh, cricket team, Mr. Walker's Eleven. Yeah. Uh, started started by um, Phantom fans and club members up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the support that you guys were offering um, was was obviously a really big part of it. And and Olga, you've mentioned we've t- we've discussed the letter that you, that you sent me, and I'm I'm even more impressed now having heard um, your story because um, it is it's not just a handwritten couple of notes it's um a double page uh, both both sides of an a4 page are full um responding to some you know cheeky 13 year old on the darling downs who's just written in and um if i've told the story on the podcast before i was getting a bit of stick at school um for being a phantom fan and uh it was all around my phantom club cap actually that i would wear on the bus to school and uh every day Mm -hmm. for a period of time um one of the bigger kids from the back of the bus would would grab the hat off my head as we got to school and then throw it under the back wheels of the bus as it took off, and I was pretty pretty upset about <laughs> that at the time. And yeah. uh, I, I wrote into the club saying, you know, this is what's happening. And I might just, if, it, if it's all right, just read a little bit of the letter that Olga sent back to me. Do you mind, Olga? Why no, man? Why not? So, uh, dear Danny, thank you for your letter. Don't worry too much about the kids at school. They obviously haven't read a Phantom comic. Perhaps they should be told that we have over 5,000 club members in the club and that many of them are adults, doctors, teachers, lawyers, etc., also, Queensland Premier Wayne Goss is a member, along with Bob Hawke, footballers Wally Lewis and Tony Curry, Max Walker the cricketer, Stuart Wagstaff the actor, and even Margaret Peacock, Andrew Peacock's ex-wife, wears a nine-carat gold skull ring on her finger and is a member. Surely not all of these people read junk. So um, that, that was really heartening to me at the time. And, and for you to take the time to handwrite all of that, uh, you know, that was really special. Everything was handwritten. Everything was handwritten. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I remember, Dan, I'd, I'd ask Olga what you've been up to all day, and she'd say, yeah, I wrote two letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out. Come on. No, 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 no. No, no, My day was sending out T-shirts, stickers, badges, posters, orders, and all that, and I, I was always... I was a slave driver. Yeah, I was a slave driver. <laughs> <laughs> I used to... Um, no, every letter. Every, and I remember one particular, um, and I can't remember for the life of me the kid's name. Um, he, he always sent drawings and things like that. And he, he'd send about two letters a week. Um, and I didn't mind. You know, I just told him, oh, that's a great drawing and whatnot. Or he'd tell me something about school or whatnot. 
I answered every letter. And what I found out about three years ago, after conversing with him and being in the club for that long, um, I got a letter from his mother saying, um, unfortunately, this, this young fellow passed away, he had leukemia. And that my letters kept him going and just oh, wow. was very thrilled to get every letter that I got. And that just touched me like there's no tomorrow. Mm. Um, um, just things like that. But I, I'd always answer I'd always answer a letter, no worries. And if it was in my gammy handwriting, so be it. But we didn't have computers back then. And it always, yeah, correspondence was unreal. And I so enjoyed just getting letters and everything like that. It was fantastic. It really, really was. Uh, and so much appreciated from all of us who received them. So uh, on oh. behalf of everyone who received one of your letters, thank you very much. Oh, wow, I'm blushing now. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, absolute pleasure. I've, um, yeah, yeah, it's made me the person I am at the end of the day. Come on, mm. let's face it. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> well, don't try and sue you before that old girl either, will you? What's that, John? Making you the person you are today. You can't yeah. sue you for that. <laughs> that's no, no, no. No, I learned so much. Eight years. Too long ago. <laughs> Eight years of my life. I mean, I, I grew. I mean, I was only very young and, yeah, I, I learned, you know, the values of life and stuff and learned a lot. So yeah, for that, the club and the fandom, I'll say thank you. Time, wasn't it? It, was a, it was a really lovely journey we sort of were on together. Yeah. Um, exciting and traumatic and thrilling <laughs> and heartbreaking. Yeah, it had it all. Every day at the club was something new. It had it all. And Dan, don't worry, those caps were designed with the strength of 10 tigers, so the, the back wheels <laughs> of the bus didn't worry them at all. No, it, it did last a long, long time. To be honest, I don't know where it is now, though, which I'm very disappointed about. I, um, Mum may have it in, a, in uh, a box in the bottom of a cupboard or something somewhere, but I have replaced it. In the last six months, I managed to find one that looks brand new, even though it's um, must be, as you say, 30 years old, and it has honestly gone straight to the pride of my collection because there's that uh, personal story and, and my memories of, um, of wearing that cap or, or one that looked very much like it uh, to school back in the yeah. day. So. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So I've, I mentioned a, a, a range of celebrities that you 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 know quoted to me in the letter there, Olga and um, John. It must be a bit of a thrill to see these you know famous footballers and cricketers and, and even politicians um, you know sign up and and become members. Oh yeah, you know it was it was um, it was nice, especially uh, you know uh, local heroes like Wally Lewis. Uh, and I'm, I've always been um, on the Labor side of politics, so to have, you know, well-known Labor identities um, as Phantom fans, uh, you know, that's always wonderful. But I think, I hope you picked up the vibe from um, from our conversation so far that it was really, you didn't have to have a celebrity name to be important to um, to us at the Phantom Club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely got that feel, and I think I think what you've have started has followed through in so many other guises. Like you've got uh, Phantom Products now is even you know twenty thirty years later uh, probably have their origins based on your stuff. Um, there's a group of people that group of fans, including myself and Dan, that meet up every year in Sydney in uh, June. And um, uh, catch up and have a big Phantom weekend, and 
and, and stuff like that. So, and then there's been, um, you know, even on Facebook these days and stuff like that. So there's there's the, the history or the, the legacy that you guys created well, has um, has definitely continued on. Well, that's that's lovely of you to say that, um, and I'd like to hope we played some, you know, some role in the phantom history in Australia or Australasia or the world, actually, because we had, we had many club members all around the world, which was always sort of fun. Um, but I think it's also, you know, more credit to the, the true phantom spirit um, that came out in the very best of the stories. I mean, that's, that's mm. really what has inspired phantom fans, and that's what, you know, we yeah. inspired us. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, there'd be the millions of people around the world who have been phantom fans um, if it wasn't just for the, you know, the the character of the character and and the the values that the true fandom um, always demonstrated, you know, th- that's what really got us all going. And uh, you know, we were happy just to sort of do what we could in our own small way. But you know, if the fandom wasn't such uh, a noble and inspiring character, well, then I don't think any of us would be. Chasing, you know, comics or posters or badges or rings or you know, whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, all credit to Lee Fork, especially you know his his early stories, and you know, without getting into that too much, but you know, some of uh, some of Lee's early work, particularly say with Ray Moore as the artist, I mean, they, they were great stories, and and something that's often overlooked, I think, is is the the sense of humour and the dry wit in in the yes. in the best of those early stories. I mean, they were really Really good fun, and I and I love the the fandom sort of sense of humour and the way he used to interact with Devil, um, and and Roughnecks, you know the Girk twins or whoever it was. I mean, it was it was just just really uh, it was a good story, good stories as well as you know, uh, a really good message. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, the the debate about old stories versus new stories is a is a wormhole that. You could go, and Jermaine and I have been down many times on the podcast, to be honest. But uh, just by way of reference, do you and read, off the podcast, and off the podcast, um, do you do you read uh, much of the new stuff today, John? No, I, I don't get that inspired by it, to be honest. Um, I'm sort of familiar with it to a very small extent. Uh, whenever I'm in a news agent and I see, you know, a classic old comic uh, or old story. Um, you know, I I really have trouble getting out of the comic store or out of a news agent without you know reading it or buying it. Um, so I, I love I love just the old classics. I mean, to me, that's the heart and soul of the fandom. Um, but I tell you guys, tell me um, the newer the newer stories. Um, whether are they are they all coming out of um, you know Europe or where are they coming out of these days? Um, well, you get a lot from still majorities from Europe, um, but through I'm not sure if you know has been um, after Jim's uh, passing away, um, Renee and Glenn Ford um, have have brought the company and they they have started actually producing a lot more Australian uh, created stories. So are they, are they writing and illustrating? Or? Yeah, some yeah. Stuff, so yeah. there's several, t- yeah. So there's some t- stuff, but majority is still from um, uh, Sweden. They're also producing a lot of stuff. Um, well, 
republishing a lot of stuff from around the world, especially like the Italian and French stuff from the 60s and 70s as well. Okay. Um, and, what, and what's that like? Oh, it varies um, in quality? <laughs> <laughs> Very cyberish. Basically, they the were, is, yeah. yeah, the arts very. So basically, back in those days, if you wanted to draw the Phantom, you had to draw Cybarry. Um, yep. We've, you know, we, we've discussed it on the podcast several times where, you know, like talking to artists or, or, or whatever, they said, no, nah, not Cybarry enough. Go back and come back to us when you can draw like Cybarry. Um, right. And that, and that was the, you know, the 60s and the 70s with the Italians. Um, we've seen a little bit of other stuff from like the Ger- from Germany and that throughout the last couple of years. But I would say probably, what, probably 20% Fork stuff, probably 40% Egmont, maybe 50% Egmont, and then the rest either Australian or, or Italian and stuff like that. Mm. Okay. Oh, well, I'll, I'll keep my eyes and ears open and just... Uh Try to educate myself about what's happening uh, in the 21st century. (laughs) Well, I I do know of a great podcast um, (laughs) that that, that keeps up to date with a lot of the uh, fandom stuff. Um, And, of course, our website, uh, without trying to sound too full of myself. But, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll, I'll take that advice. So, in a big sense, I guess our, our website is, um, like you you mentioned before about um, how you'd go about it today, our website is a bit like, um, you know, the Jungle Beat newsletters that you guys produced in the sense that we try to keep up with a bit of news. You've certainly got a lot more um, fan contributions and that sort of thing, whether it's letters that people have sent that you've published or, or people writing, um, you know, short features or poems or sending in artwork. Um, yeah. Yeah. That must have been, um, you mentioned it was a sort of a, a labour of love, I suppose, to put together and to send out, but it must have been really interesting to see the sorts of things that people would send in and contribute. Oh, fabulous. It was, you know, a lot of, a lot of. I mentioned, you know, I think we touched in passing, so a lot of talented people, um, you know, were into the fandom, and, and, and you could see even, even if they were 10 years of age, you know, that they were just really talented uh, in many ways, whether writing or illustrating. Uh, telling stories, whatever it might be. Um, we would love to have published a lot more of that sort of stuff, but we were you know, limited to like 16-page format, and we had a certain amount of like club news and of things we had to put into it. So, but yeah, we we could have published a whole lot more stuff. Um, we we, we could have done stuff. a whole a whole issue on fact and fiction. That's exciting stuff about what other people were doing around Australia and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know that that I mean I, I find that even I've, I've been looking at my old jungle beach just to um, I don't know get me back up on speed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the fact and fiction pieces are unreal. You know where they saw a, a particular different type of unusual phantom thing or a photo or just mm. people talking about just what they I don't know I guess fact and fiction as it says it was just an interesting. An interesting mm. part of the jungle beat, and that brought a lot of people together too, because we we're just all real people at the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, we, ha- we have to ask. So, um, so what was the relationship with like King Features like, and obviously with the the, the issues that is fairly well known. Uh, like, could you, with you know, I hope I don't drag up too much. 
negative uh, memories and stuff like that. But are you able to touch briefly upon that? Well, yeah, but you tell me what you you know as far as the issues that are fairly well known. What what's your understanding? Of <laughs> okay, um, well, perception? from someone, yeah. So from someone who was never a member and came in for those who came in late, obviously like myself. Um, from what I understand, uh, that the license was withdrawn in 1988. There was some copyright issues or something. And then there was a court case, which um, doing some research today uh, and the last week, I didn't know about the court case. And um, it unfortunately ended. That, but that's pretty much as far as I'm, I'm aware that there was, yeah, there was some King Features issues. Now, majority of fans do know that King Features are notorious for being difficult. Um, and I've, I've, heard stories from other people who have tried to create stuff that they can uh, be some pirates and like to try and get as much money as possible. Um, how, how close is that? Look, it, it's hard to say. Uh, let, let me sort of tell you what, what happened uh, in briefly, because obviously sort of fairly involved over a period yeah. of time. But briefly... Um, we had quite a good relationship with uh, the King Features representatives in Australia. Yes, we signed off on, you know, with the Hearst Corporation in America on the contracts, mm. but you know, we were dealing with their Australian representatives. Yeah. And I can't remember their name. Was it Yarrow or something, Yarrow? Anyway, um, so that was quite good. But what happened was um, around about when, when was it that you said, uh, maybe like uh, the mid mid eighties, I say. Um, what happened was that um, King Features changed their Australian representatives to a mob who was based in Victoria from memory. So from from the mob yeah. who was based in Sydney to the mob who was based in Victoria or Melbourne. That's just my memory. Um, yeah. Right. So they changed their representatives and. A few things were happening at that time. Um, the, probably the biggest thing was that there was talk again about a modern Phantom movie being made, and this time there seemed to be a little bit more strength to the rumours. And what also happened, well, I know this for a fact, is that these new these new people um, who had the who were represent, representing King Features. One of their very good friends um, ran a series of clubs based out of Melbourne. Uh, they ran things like the James Dean Fan Club, the Marilyn Monroe Fan Club, and they wanted to run the Phantom Club because they heard the Phantom movie was being made and they all saw dollar signs and thought if a new Phantom movie gets made, you know, people are going to want to buy a lot of Phantom T-shirts and we're all going to make a lot of money. So they badmouthed us to King Features, the, 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 the representative in the new representative in Melbourne. I think it was Melbourne based uh, badmouthed us to King Features. And that sort of caused some issues. And they said, um, you know, this John Henderson and his mob, you know, we can do better. You know, we know someone in Melbourne who's got experience running other fan clubs. So they were sort of just regarding us as like a fan club, 
as I said, yeah. like the Marilyn Monroe fan club, the James Dean fan club, something like that. Whereas I think you picked up and you know that Olga and I and the club members thought it was a lot more than, you know, a fan mm. club such to, to sell. It was, a lot, it was a lifestyle. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a, it was a philosophy, it was a belief, it was yeah. friendship, it was camaraderie, it was, it was fun, it was, you know, what you believe in, what's important in life, it was all those things. Anyway, so what happened was basically they convinced, um, they convinced King Features that these, this other mob in Melbourne could make more money for King Features if they had the rights to the Phantom Club instead of us. So, um, that was sort of a major problem, obviously. Um, so we said, okay, if you're going to do that, you know, they just said, we're not going to renew your license anymore. We're going to give it to these other people. Um, and we said, well, okay, in true phantom spirit, you know, that's not going to make us stop. We're going to start the independent phantom club of Australia, where we clearly started saying on our literature and merchandise you know that we have no official affiliation with you know king feature syndicate that sort of thing and that sort of went on for a little while but and it was it could have been okay (laughs) you know we could have in true phantom spirit you know fought through survived try to be clever on our feet etc etc but what what they did which was really um a fatal blow is they put pressure on Jim Shepard at Fru because we were still advertising in the comic. Um, and they put pressure on Jim Shepard and said, Jim, if you want to keep the rights to do the Phantom comic, Ooh, don't, wow. run any, don't run any more of these guys' ads. Uh. So Jim called me and said, John, I like you. I like what you're doing. But, mate, they're going to take away my rights to run the comic if I publish any money of your ads. So I'm very sorry. I can't do that anymore. And so that meant our ads stopped appearing in the comic. And what that meant, that was our lifeline to Phantom fans. Yeah. Of course, remember, this yeah. is pre, this is pre internet. Okay. This is yeah, pre, exactly. yeah. pre, pre email. Um, so really without having that regular contact with, with our fans and being able to generate new fans, you know, through new memberships, etc., um, it got very tough financially. Plus, of course, we didn't have the rights to sell, you know, all the merchandise that we had been doing. And um, yeah. and then, you know, but we hung in there and they tried to put pressure on us. They they really got heavy about wanting our membership lists without yeah. the names and addresses and phone numbers of all our club members. Oh, wow. uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because they said that that was, you know, um, no, it was their, yeah, their intellectual property, and I wasn't going to give up our club membership list from a privacy point of view, and sure. and plus, you know, they can get stuffed, <laughs> um, you know, see you in court. And so, yes, that's what happened. So we went to the federal court of Australia, and um, we. Um, we were actually the court case um, before the native title decision, uh, the na- native title case. I just actually had a mental blank about that. Uh, what was the big native Marbo. title case? Um, Marbo? Or the yeah, yeah. Uh, no, hang on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were the case on in the, in the federal court before Marbo. Oh, right. And, the, you know, and we did all the – and I represented ourselves 
because you know, I couldn't afford an expensive, um, you know, federal court barrister or whatever. And King Features rocked up with three or four silks, and um, you know they sort of started presenting their case, and I presented our case, and uh, the judge sort of looked at us and and said, um, you know, you guys are wankers. This guy Henderson's not doing anything wrong. Um, <laughs> I dismissed the action, and you know if he had any costs, because he didn't, because he represented himself. Um, you guys, you have to pay the costs. So, you know, piss off and leave him, oh, wow. leave him alone. and leave him alone. Did you sign uh, up as a member on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> Give him free life membership. <laughs> well. He had, he had other things to do. He had to determine the Marvo judge. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely gets a good mark from the fandom for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he had the right spirit in his heart, definitely. But the damage was done, you know. Mm. They'd stopped us advertising in the comic. Um, we, we couldn't sell products to generate revenue to do Jungle Beats and send things out and whatever. Um, and again, uh, unfortunately... Uh, that was just a, a battle of attrition that we were never going to win. Yeah. So that's that's what happened. Hmm. Greed and, and commercialism and everything yeah. like that at the end of the yeah. day, you know, that's not the Phantom way. And I, I was really annoyed because obviously I didn't have a job after that. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think it was after the popularity of the Ninja Turtles. That's where... I remember, oh, yeah, okay, so it's going to go that way. And the Phantom movie, oh, they're going to make millions of T-shirts, stickers, badges, posters. We didn't make millions. We didn't need. Oh, it would have been nice, but mm. no. Um, at the end of the day, it's just greed, and that's just not what the Phantom's all about. So, exactly. yeah. You know, who's going to join a club? No, I hope they're not out there still, but who'd want to join a club with that sort of backbone? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. Come on. And, so, and not only was it greed, Olgi, it was actually dumb because yeah, you know, no, we, were the, we were the best thing that had happened to Phantom to promotion Phantom. forever. You know, we, were, we were happy to work, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, promoting Phantom and the Phantom cause and, and whatever else. I mean, we had generated more publicity than they'd seen in their lifetimes in, in, the, in Australia Absolutely. with the Phantom. And we would have been happy to keep doing that and, you know, work with them to sell more of their T-shirts or whatever they wanted to do as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, as far as I could see, whatever sort of club that they tried to start in Melbourne, I, I don't know if it really ever amounted to much oh, at all. No, I understand uh, that it only went for about 18 months or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's... It yeah, it went through a little bit longer than that, but like they never, they were supposedly, because um, uh, I also did a little bit of research about them as well. Like they were supposed to release four newsletters a year, but they were, they could only ever get out to three. And a lot of the news there was always delays with the newsletters and uh, and stuff like that. Um, the number we I was thinking of to, was fourteen. Yeah. They only released fourteen newsletters in total, so that's yeah. where I was in the teens. And for a club that was around for eight years, as it says here. Um, 14 newsletters yeah. in eight years is nowhere near what you guys were achieving. No. No, but I'm not going to criticise anyone for trouble getting out newsletters. We had one guest. Oh, was it Sam and Jay? Yeah. I think he was saying, like, and, and he said, oh, and, and like, he was talking about how he, 
how like he refused to join the other club because it was just uh, you know. Don't don't so give Sammy like, no, hang on, don't give Sammy any uh, credit where he's not due, and I'll, I'll pick him up on this because Sammy did join the other club. Um, oh, he did, and, and had stuff published in their it? newsletter actually. That's uh, one of the first times he and Duncan were together. It was me you're thinking of there, Jermaine. I, I stood oh, on principle okay. and refused to uh, refused to join the other club. So. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was someone who was in that conversation. Um, <laughs> Good on you, Captain Hi, Dan. Dan. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've talked about products a little bit and stuff like that. Do you have like a favourite product or like a favourite item that is has sold? Oh. Or ones that stick out in memory or anything yeah, like yeah, that? Because you've had some great ones. They all stick out in, my, in our memories because, as I did indicate earlier, you know, we, we basically you know, thought of the different products ourselves. I mean, we were limited, obviously, by what was in our license agreements. Um, yeah. But, you know, we thought about the products, we designed them, we got them made, then we, you know, sort of promoted and distributed them. And that was a really enjoyable part of it for me from a, you know, design and creativity point of view, and I'm sure for Olga as well. You know, we liked making phantom things. You know, that was nice. I mean, mm. to be honest, I, I much preferred designing and making them than selling them um yeah. I, I was never well you know i was we were never sort of i don't think very like pushy pushy with selling that that's what we were at but we we like making fan of things we like doing that a lot mm. um see the first major thing i think we did was pretty much the legend of the phantom poster um yeah i designed that with a, a friend of mine um it was really I thought it was a really good product. I thought it was a really good poster. I liked the way that we had the cloud and the moons and the and the phantom generations sort of disappearing off into the the, the distance sort of thing. I, I really liked that. Um, that that was mm. nice. And speaking about posters, I thought I thought the As You Were gentleman was always just a classic phantom scene. Iconic. Yeah. You know, like the really nice Wilson McCoy artwork. Just coming through the window, sort of thing, you know, doing a bit of second second story work as he loved to do, and uh, just that sort of that dry, short, little sort of pithy statement from the Phantom. I thought that was a classic one, and and that was in nice colour. I like that sort of nice colours we did with that one. Um, so that was that was a beauty too. Um, you know, Dan, you mentioned the caps. You know, like the caps, I think were relatively inexpensive, five or six bucks. Yep. Um, and they were great to post out because they couldn't be destroyed in the mail, so we didn't have to, didn't have to package them up and bubble wrap and all sorts of other stuff. So, you know, and I thought the caps had nice sort of graphics and artworks again, you know, and, and they were nice, 100% cotton caps. Yep. You know, we're always very big on trying to have, you know, natural products, um, particularly anything you were wearing. So everything we did was either cotton uh, or, or, you know, nice natural fabric, mm-hmm. uh, no we could have done cheaper or whatever with poly, but I'm not into polyester stuff. The Phantom wouldn't be into, you know, unnatural fabrics, and neither are we. Um, so, the, I mean, the caps are great. The stickers, as you said, Dan, as a young as a young fan, you needed stuff that was cheap. Yep. You know, of course, you know, you're 11 and 12 bucks, 11 or 12 years, you don't have much money. So the stickers, you know, were sort of were good because they were a nice cheap thing. And the badges, I thought the badges were good. Like they might have been, I don't know, Ollie, were they a dollar or two dollars each or something? The oh, badges? gee, no, cheap as chips, really. No. <laughs> they're, they're not cheap as chips <laughs> these days, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Where's mine? I can't find mine. <laughs> um, none of the stuff's cheap as chips. So I've 
I've got the Legend of the Phantom poster. I think you've got the As As You Were Gentleman poster. Is that right, Dan? No, I don't. I wish I had that one. Um, the... Have you got the Oath? Uh, yeah, I've got the you've Oath got one. Poster, I was going to ask though. about that. I think it came out as a yeah. as a calendar, 1989, I feel like. Yeah, but, um, that had Johnny all dressed up in... Yeah. That no, was going to be my question. Is yeah. that John in the costume? Absolutely. The Phantom is many men, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, he's um, holding the skull and all that. No, no, that's John in all his performance. Absolutely. And speaking about um, blasts from the past, remember Craig James, Jamesy? Oh, vaguely rings a bell some, somewhere in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy who took the, the photos. Remember Jamesy used to oh, come the big, Yes, he was a bit not big, big fellow, yeah? <laughs> Yes. Without yeah. being too rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, now you've said that. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Absolutely. Yeah, Jamesy, Jamesy did the photography for that down the backyard at headquarters. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got a big fire going in the backyard. <laughs> Good old days when you could have a backyard fire. And, um, yeah, we got the uh, the Oath of the Skull out there. Yeah, so that was um, – and I think, yeah, we did put that out as a calendar as, as well yeah. as – that's yeah. a straight poster, though, wasn't it, too? It's just a straight poster as well. You can it's, cut it's off the calendar one. part, still have it on your wall as a poster. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's, that's exactly what I did with mine, yeah. So you meant, like, the backyard parties you're talking about, there's a really cool um, uh, article called Phantom Freaks that appeared in Penthouse, of all places, in um, February 1985, for people who want to go out. Yeah, can I... Can I just say something? They actually called me Inga in that penthouse thing. <laughs> I told everybody I was, yeah, I told everybody I was in penthouse. And they go, oh, yeah, I says, yeah, it's just, you know, the centerfold spread as you did. Um, and then when they read it, they said you weren't even in it. And when I, you know, bought about five copies and, and they quoted me as Inga. I mean, oh, really, no. <laughs> that's my plan to be in penthouse. But anyway, move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone could say they've been in a magazine like that, so... Oh, at the end of the day, I wasn't, was I? It's Olga, O-L-G-A. Okay, for everyone out there, don't call me Inga or Helga or anything else. Okay. So, uh, that's just a classic example, I guess, of how you did, like you're saying, raising awareness about the Phantom, and, and nothing in the, that article was about join the club and spend your money and, and buy some stuff. It was about community and it was about, uh, I think you've said Chad before, Chad's in the article um, and, yeah, yeah. and how the Phantom saved his marriage. Um, we'll, we'll put a, there's a, the, the article's available online. We'll put a link to it um, oh. attached to the story so people can go and read it. But uh, if, if, if they don't happen to have a penthouse from February 1985 in the bottom of their wardrobe, <laughs> um, but whether it's that or the, you know, we've seen wonder, news articles on YouTube and that sort of thing. So you, you guys were really quite proactive. Oh, yeah. We, um, we, we had a lot of publicity and generated a lot of interest in the Phantom. Um, I remember my mum had a, a real chuckle with me one day when she uh, heard the news. And um, we were interviewed, um, the first lead story on the 7 a.m. ABC News uh, ahead of Malcolm Fraser. Mum, mum thought that was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, certainly any of the any of the clips that have made it to YouTube and that sort of stuff. We, as I say, we'll yes. put links to that in the uh, in the post when we put the podcast up, so that people mm. can do a bit of their own research about about the club as well. 
So is that story about Chad Sayers correct, about how he only stayed because he couldn't uh, uh, get his collection? He only stayed with his uh, with his fiance at the time. Is that is that a fair dinkum true or? I, I can't re- recall that story, Jermaine. But whatever <laughs> whatever Chad said, I, I believe what. Mate, if it's in penthouse, it's true. Said. That's just. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, no, I so basically, I the... haven't got around to reading the article yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, because it's what, what I find ironic about that, that that story. So basically, what it was was for those who haven't read it yet, um, he was about to leave his fiance at the time because they had an argument, and he went to pack all his comics up, and then he couldn't carry them, and it was raining outside, so he thought he would give it another shot. Um, what I actually find, what's actually interesting about that story is that story has continued over the legend over the years, and I've talked to fan and fans who who have split up with their um, partners and stuff like that, and that story actually prompted them to preserve their collection before they split up so they didn't lose their collection from an angry uh, ex-wife. So, um, yeah, so it's it's um, that story has stayed with a lot of people, which, yeah, is quite interesting. That, yeah, that, that is a classic. And... Um I'm going to tell a sad story now um, because I think the man deserves to be uh, remembered for what a great man he he, he is. Um, Big Chad Chadbone, who I think you're referring to, um, Chad was killed on the Gold Coast in uh, an accident uh, where he went to save someone else who was in mortal danger and Chad saved that person but lost his own life in doing so. And that's the sort of man that Chad Chadbone was. He he was um, one of God's special people. He was a wonderful, wonderful family man and and great phantom fan and just good fun to be around and that was the sort of person he was that he did a incredibly phantom thing in real life and uh sacrificed his life to save a total stranger Mm. yeah so um you can see (laughs) you can see how much his phantom comics meant to him (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 So, uh, just to, to lighten the mood again, because that is, that is a, a pretty powerful story, but um, uh, just to lighten the mood a little bit, the um, we, we've mentioned collections and that sort of thing, and John, obviously, the the, the house in Cooparoo, um, Olga said, was a skull cave in it, and, and, you know, I wish I could have seen it at its uh, at its peak, but do you still have a, a serious phantom collection now? Do you, did you keep a lot of that stuff, or, or what's happened to it? No, um I did. I, I moved um, from um, Brisbane to the Sunshine Coast uh, sometime around 1995, and I took everything with me and continued to operate the club on some sort of level. Um, but over the years, I, I, you know, I kept moving with it all, which was quite a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And 
um, what happened was, I suppose, maybe 10, would have been eight or 10 years ago anyway, um, I was having to move again and a uh, really keen Phantom fan had been hassling me to buy the collection. Uh, well, no, not hassling in a bad way, but he had let me know that he was really keen to buy the collection. And I just actually couldn't take it with me, and it was the old story. I just thought, look, it's better off if this goes to someone who's going to really appreciate it and uh, and be able to look after it and maintain it. Um, Is that yeah, Nigel so, Johnson? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it went to yeah. Nigel. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard because I've talked to a few fan fans that we're going to be talking to tonight and ask if there's any questions and stuff like that. And the room, like, there's it's it's been a question that fan fans have asked, you know, years and years is you know what's happened to all the stuff? Is there any fan and club stuff still around? And and the rumor was was that Nigel Johnson had. Had, had, had purchased it off you, so um, it's 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 good to be able to uh, do some um uh, some myth busting and and get some uh, and, and stuff like that. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. Is Nigel still actively you know buying and selling Phantom gear? Uh, not as actively. Like he he had a couple. I think again, rumor is that he had uh, a couple of full through collections. And um, he released the price guides, which I'm sure you probably remember. Yeah. Uh, there was one in 93, uh, 99, and early 2000s, I think it was. He did three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from memory he did a bit of a sell-up as well. Um, I've actually got a, a good friend of mine who brought a, a few a few things from Nigel of which – I think came from your collection originally as well. So, yeah. So it's. Oh, well, I'm glad to yeah. see they've gone gone through the hands to other fandom fans. Yeah, in true fandom uh, style, going from one generation to the next. Yeah. yeah. And um, I gather, uh, well, to to put it out there, I suppose the the way we were able to get in touch with you guys in the first place is that um, I recognise the name Olga. It's not a it's not a super common name. Um, yeah, in, not Inga, not Inga from right. the house, Olga. Okay, remember that. Yeah. So, so I recognised the name um, on an eBay listing um, that uh, that you put up, Olga, of a of an old Phantom Club poster, the as you were that we we mentioned before. Mm. Um, yeah. And you must have been pretty happy with the price that that fetched. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just I was overwhelmed just quietly. Um, I. Actually, we need to really say hello to David Buds. I think everybody knows who he is. Um, it would be horrible yeah. for me not to mention him because he did, did a lot of research for the club and he was pretty close to John back in the day, wasn't he, yeah. John? Yeah. yeah, he had a lot. Great yeah. David. Yeah. And, and he contributed to a bunch of the Jungle Beats. So I seem to remember, he did the list of yeah. the old Jungle sayings, I think. Yeah. Oh, he, he might have too, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. David obviously is a... <laughs> Super keen fan and fan, of course. Yeah, absolutely. He's still, He's still around. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Still I, um... I had the pleasure of meeting David a year and a half ago, I think it was, at one of the meetings in Sydney. Um, yeah, so that was good to, put, to actually meet him. Yeah. 
good yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I've got a few other things um, on eBay. Uh, I'm not doing an ad for myself, but the same reason. <laughs> no, 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 no. For the same reason, I have no children to pass this on to. Um, they're just sitting there, just collecting dust. Um, and at the end of the day, I thought, well, like you guys, you know, people appreciate all these products. You can't get them anymore. Mm. Um, they're historical, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And why not give them to someone who can still appreciate it and they can pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. I don't have a generation to pass them on to. Um, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. Um, yeah, it, I want a water tank as well, everyone. Yep. is going to a <laughs> water tank. Um, so at the end of the day, I just want people to appreciate I mean, Dave has already sent me, uh, he's got his poster, it's, it's in a frame. He sent me a photo and he's in awe of it. I mean, yeah. how wonderful. How terrific to hear mm. someone's getting this pleasure out of stuff. Um, I'd love to keep it and all that, but really, if I did have another generation, just like the old um, the saying goes and the legend goes, I'd love to have passed it on. Mm. I have no one to pass it on to, so my, my thoughts were right. One rainy day, I put the as you were had <laughs> a poster on. I thought, well, before it decays or gets any worse, let's try it and mm. overwhelm and. Um, yeah, I'm very, very, very happy with the outcome. And yep. um, as I said to John, you know, I, I, you know, I feel horrible selling this stuff. I've, I've keeping quite a lot of stuff for my own and and just for my own sake. But at the end of the day, let, let let's get somebody else to be able to appreciate it and pass it on, you know, yep. to the next generation. Yep. So, and, yeah. and I've- I've also, David sent me a photo of, uh, of it up in, on the wall as well, and he really does have it in private <laughs> place. And, uh, um, you know, as you, as you say, if it's up on the wall and people are admiring it, then uh, that's what uh, the stuff was made for, isn't it? Mate, otherwise it's just curled up in a roll yep. just somewhere. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I'm of an age where I shouldn't really have phantom posters and all sorts of that sort of stuff <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> well, I hope I, I never age. get to that age. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you, both loud and clear. But yeah, yeah, yeah what a thought. And, and because of this, this is happening. So there was a reason mm. yeah, sort of no, good. coming out of it. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So yeah, the, our bucket list has been ticked by getting oh, news on, sure. and and yeah. um and a lot of other people's who have been, you know, like we've. This is our eighty-first episode, and. We've uh, continuously get people asking us that they would love to hear from you guys. So, um, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, and I know you're going to have lots of people, after they listen to this, they'll probably message you and ask you if you want to sell stuff outside of eBay, <laughs> um, which I'm sure you've already had. I have, but anyway, we won't go there. Yeah, yeah go on. <laughs> <laughs> So we sort of started this by asking, you know, talking about how it was a the Phantom Club was a really pivotal part in, in fandom history in Australia and, and fan history. Um, I just want to read you a quick quote from the deepwoods.org website. I'm not sure if you met Brian Shedden, who put that together. Um, I don't in, know if we've met Brian, but I think we had some perhaps correspondence, but I can't can't swear to that sure but i'm sort of aware of brian a little bit but it's been a long time David. yeah and and brian hasn't updated the Deepwoods website since uh january 2007 he was um um became disheartened with uh the way the fandom had changed since lee fork had died and sort of lost a bit of interest i think is is uh, the blurb on the website but he he still obviously he also had, yeah he also had family as well like he uh had yeah. 
the birth of his first child and and stuff like that. So priorities kind of changed. If if anyone hasn't uh, listeners or whatever haven't come across the deepwoods.org website, it's an absolute treasure trove of um, fandom history and that sort of thing. And in the the page that talks about the Australian Phantom Club, um, Brian writes. Much of the public awareness of the Phantom that currently exists in Australia probably owes to the activities of the Phantom Club during those years, obviously, of your existence. And and I think I'd probably um, echo those words, yep. that uh, a yep. lot of the fact that there are still so many fans is because of the boost, I suppose, for want of a better word, that uh, that you guys gave it across that, um, that period of the 80s and early 90s. Totally agree. Yeah, well, we're, we're very proud... You know of the role we've played in in phantom history um, in, in in Australia in particular. Of course we are, and and it's great if um, we've helped you know stir up you know extra interest in um, the ghost two walks. We're very happy and proud about that. Yeah. So I agree. So what is um, what is life after the club been like for you guys? <laughs> Not as exciting. There <laughs> <laughs> um, you go, John. What, what are you doing, Inga? <laughs> um, oh, God. I, um, I, run, I run the Caloundra Surf School these days. I'm a uh, professional surf coach. Um, I love that. I love teaching people to surf. I love surfing myself still. And um, up here in Caloundra, it's a great place for you to learn to surf. So um, I've been doing that for a couple of years, which I really enjoy. I've been coaching for 15 years, but running the Caloundra Surf School for just the last couple of years. Um, up until just this semester, I've been teaching at uh, QUT in their business school, um, casually lecturing and tutoring. Um I tried to do a few other things when I first moved up the Sunshine Coast, but that's going back a long time and there's no need to go into any of those sort of details. So, yeah, um, still uh, still feeling the fandom spirit and um, still having wonderful memories of the relationships and the people we met and all the things we got up to, adventures we had. Um, uh, so that's a very special part you know, in my life, um, and I'm glad it, you know, had some significance in other people's lives as well. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just um, very, very sort of happy to be alive and well and um, getting to the beach every day and getting in the <laughs> lovely ocean. And, um, it's a hard life, isn't it, John? Oh, it is a my hard stepdad's life. exactly the same. <laughs> So, uh, Inga, when you want to learn to surf, come up and see me. Yeah, you won't get me on a board, I don't think. <laughs> Not at this stage. Sorry about that, John. Sorry, <laughs> mate. Sorry. But, um, you never know. You never know. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's fantastic to hear that, um, you know, for, for all the work that you put in for the Phantom fans and, and the community mm. in Australia and, and internationally, as you say, thoroughly deserve a, um, a, a happy... Um, Retirement from it, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still getting therapy, but I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's nice. 
Well, we, yeah. So, um, thank you. I, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, uh, as I was saying to Dan before, what I think is probably even best about the podcast, uh, with tonight is that some of these, these stories, uh, and the history and everything that you've shared now gets to be like recorded where people can actually like listen to it and, and learn about it themselves you know, 20, 30 years down the track because there's lots of people in my shoes that was never a part of the club for one reason or the other, whether they weren't around then or, or weren't fans. And so now they can, you know, feel like they can become a part of the club even though it has um, uh, been away. So um, on behalf of myself um, and the listeners and um, everyone else, I, I just want to thank you both for um, joining us. Um uh, John, Sorry. I know you said you're only going to hang around for half an hour, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit longer. It, it is a it is a real pleasure because um, for yeah. because it's been so long, and and you guys, are, whether you're aware of it or not, there's a there's a bit of a mythology now around the Phantom Club and and what happened to John and what happened to Olga because um, you know almost not gone to ground, but sort of uh, dropped dropped out of the the Phantom consciousness, and so. Yeah, as, as Jermaine said, really appreciate you uh, um, coming back and, and having a chat to us about it. Well, no, we're, we're, we're both happy to talk to you from our uh, retreats in Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. All right, guys. Well, just best wishes to all the Phantom fans out there and keep up the good fight. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um Olga can say her own goodbyes, but uh, I've really enjoyed the, the conversation tonight. And, um, yeah, thanks for contacting us. And, yeah, keep up the good fight. Thanks very much. Thank you, John. If you, and if, and just just from me, just quickly, yeah, what a buzz, what a thrill, and what a trip down memory lane. And I hope the listeners, um, the ex-club members and that, you know, just remember our voices, our letters, our love and support. And yeah, we appreciate we what you guys are doing. Love yeah, you We really appreciate yeah. what you're doing because, you know, yeah. you've continued it on. John, you know, did his best to continue it on. And I tell you what, I'd, I'd work for him and do it all over again, John, if ever you decide to. But oh, I you're a bugger for punishment, Olga. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I, I, I'll, yeah. It's anything. a wild ride, wasn't it? But it was, it was great fun. It was a great eight years that I shared anyway, and I'll never forget it. And I wish I could do it all over again. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you guys. Yeah, anyway, we've probably got lives I've got to get on with, so we'll see you. We'll see you around. Thanks, everyone. No, thank you. Thank you, no thank you again for love, joining love, us. Love, see you. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. All right, guys. See you around. Bye. Let us know when the podcast is ready. My mother wants to listen to it. Absolutely, yeah. I'll um, I'll text and let you know. Thank you so much. No, Take thank- care, fellas. Good on you. Love you both, hey? Thanks, Olga. So thanks again to John and Olga for their time. Um, Jermaine, I just got so much out of, out of that chat with them. How about yourself? Oh, it was a fanboy moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. and, and, you know, um, it was probably a real iconic moment for you, like with your uh, letter and the fact that you were actually part of the club. Yeah. Um, but even for myself who wasn't, 
it was definitely a fanboy. And as I kept trying to hint at, it, you know, there was such a legacy that came about from that club. Yep. Um, every fan fan, whether they were a part of the club or not, has, you know, a story or, or something about about the club. And, you know, uh, it was, yeah, it was a real, it was good to, the thing I probably got the most out of it was to get some of the, the history, some of the legacy, and have it recorded for future generation generations. Because, yep. um, you, you, know, you know, when you're at a holiday or, or something and it's like, and you always look back and it's like, oh, I wish I recorded this or, yeah. you know, for, for later on. Well, it's like that's now been done. There's now a hour and a half conversation with, you know, the legend, the legends behind the club, yep. and the questions and the stuff that everyone debates about, and whether it's on Facebook, the old forums, you know, the the Olympic meetings in Sydney and stuff like that. The Phantom Club always gets mentioned, and there's always what happened to them, yep. what happened with the court case, how why did it close, and all that type of stuff, and all of that stuff's now answered. From the horse's mouth, and, and uh, we can't you know, express how grateful we are to, to John for being so forthright about that. I mean, I know a lot of years have passed, yeah. and, and then by the sounds of it, he's not... Um, well, obviously, he's not particularly involved in the community anymore, so he's um, happy to happy to fill us all in. And, um, you know, it's a topic that a lot of us have danced around a lot of times and to have all of that <laughs> sort of stuff, um, you know, down in black and white is, um, is so good to have. Yeah. Well, we had John John Cookson on one of the last podcasts. Yep. I think he even made mention of it in the actual collectors. I think it was the collectors one, how to yeah. store it and collect it and stuff like yep. that. He made mention of it and like, you know, like, oh, you guys should get him on. And, yeah. and then he talked about some of the stuff behind it and he wasn't sure what had happened. And then you had Wally in the last podcast. Yep. You had Sammy J, you know, the trader who joined two <laughs> fan clubs. Um, shame on you. But what do you expect from a Victorian? Um, <laughs> but he, he did say at the time that he, he know, you know, and he's younger than us. Well, he's probably about your age, isn't he? And um, was lucky yeah. enough to get I think I'm younger than him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, And, and yeah, too young so, to know the politics and that sort of thing. But uh, And so yeah. we don't we don't begrudge uh, Sammy that, um, even though we'll give him some stick about it. So, um That's- and, and just to hear some of those great stories about the community that uh, that the Phantom Club built, and gee, you just yes. love love to have been um, able to go to some of those parties at uh, at Cooparoo at that old Queenslander and check that that whole thing out. I get the feeling that milk was not the only drink no. that was served. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> there may have been some other um, some other. Beverages consumed. Jungle right? juices. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, we, off the record, uh, offline or, or whatever, have talked a lot about um, what other podcasts we've got coming up and when we're going to record them. I think we can actually say, Jim, this is going to go too long for us to get another um, podcast out before the 15th of November. Yeah, um, I think basically what we need, so for those who don't know, uh, with our current subscription or what we currently pay with where the actual physical audio files are located, um, we only get six hours a month. 
See, only um, only and... six hours a month when we got it sounded like heaps, didn't it? It did, but then you came on board, so uh... <laughs> <laughs> and started pulling no. in the big interviews. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Uh, are you staying downstairs tonight? I don't think your head will fit through the door to go upstairs. Oh, I'm um, still on no, but... night. Like you said, massive fanboy moment for me tonight. But yeah, no, finish, finish your, your. Let people know what's going. Yeah, on. so um, so we we are limited with six hours a month, and uh, I think it's fair to say that with the great debate over the empty uh, throne or the 22nd fandom storyline, which we discussed, uh, Wally Lewis and now also um, uh, John and Olga, I think it's fair to say that we have very, very um, got close to that six hours, so we might not have a podcast until about probably the 15th. As soon as it ticks over, we'll have another one because... (laughs) We had actually scheduled another podcast, the Comics and News yeah. uh, podcast tonight afterwards, but that's had to be put on the back burner. So well, we'll just all have to see just... what this totals up to. And any like, if there's 20 uh, minutes left, we might try and do a quick 15 minute little news podcast just to <laughs> just to try and knock some yeah. stuff over. <laughs> but um, in saying all of that, I say all of that because basically. The money that, and I know you're going to formally say it, the money that people donate to the Patreon, it does get used. Uh, Basically, it allows us to talk uh, and it allows you guys to listen to us. So if there's anyone out there that says, oh, what, I'm not going to get another podcast for another 15 days or something, if if that is you and you've got to spare five bucks a month or something, you know, please donate. Um, It doesn't go to uh, Joe's visa fund for him to stay in England um, it actually does get used for the Absolutely. website we make sure of that um, <laughs> um, so yeah so thank you for the people that do donate um, yeah. we appreciate it because it allows us to talk for six hours plus a month um, so yeah. yeah so thank you um, and again thank you John and uh, Olga for letting us speak to you and yeah, it was it was a good fun night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as um, as Jermaine said, patreon.com slash chronicle chamber. If you'd love, if if you could even put in a, a dollar or two a month, or, or even a one off, don- I'm not sure if it can take one off donations. But uh, if if you have a, a bit of spare coin, we'd love to be able to go up to the eight hours a month and just never have to really. I think that would be enough that we don't have to worry about uh, time and we'd be able oh, to things out. Of- maybe for the next maybe <laughs> for the next three. Three months, and then Until. I'm sure we will use it as an excuse <laughs> to rattle on for even longer. Yeah, perhaps. Um, but anyway. I think the reason the reason we're allowed to rattle on is because the Phantom has got a bit of a renaissance at the moment. So there's a lot uh, to talk about. There, there is just so much to talk about. And and for instance, um, and we like to keep a lot of uh, our guests secret, but. Um, I probably can say that uh, we've got Kevin Patrick, who's the um, the author of the Phantom Unmasked. Um, that's that's that book, that uh, academic um, tome is coming out, and uh, we have lined him up to be able to talk to to you guys. But that's a podcast we can't get out until the 15th of November, even though we'll have recorded the interview by then, um, just because of the, the cash flow situation. So um, we are we are trying to, as you say, it's a renaissance. We're trying to ride the wave. Um, Maybe John can teach us how to do it better through the Calandra Surf School, um, but uh, we are trying to we're trying to do the best that we can. Um, 
in in that vein, we should probably keep this shorter so that the next one is possible, maybe. Um, so I'll rattle through the social media links. Make sure, guys, that uh, you are following along with Chronicle Chamber. I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of us on Facebook through uh, chroniclechamber.com Phantom fan page, the group that we've got on there, or Phantom Collector. The group is uh, is really the home base of Chronicle Chamber and, and our team. Uh, chroniclechamber.com, of course, is the website that uh, really people should have that set to their home page, shouldn't they, Jim? Um, yeah, well, yeah, and there's various ways of doing it. You can, yeah, homepage, you can do feeds. Yep. Um, you know, where else will you find all the good stuff? Well, you could also go to uh, Twitter, chronic, at Chronicle Tweets, um, Instagram, um, at Chronicle Chamber, we are there, Google+. Um, YouTube, of course, is one that um, we, we should mention as well. Um, hopefully, the... May they may be able to be put up on there. We're, we're in. Uh, probably shouldn't have said that. I'll take that back. Um, because that's very early negotiations. <laughs> oh, you just just beep it out. Just go beep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People love that uh, twenty-eight decibel, decibel rise in, the, in oh. a high-pitched beep. <laughs> So we can talk about everyone else that we want and just beep it out and just frustrate people. Yeah, that's right. Um, but certainly a video tour of the, the Phantom Art Show um, is going to go up on their, our YouTube at some point soon as well. Um, so there's lots of stuff that's available there. So um, we, we do what we can. Uh, because we don't have that regular re- regularity of uh, release dates and that sort of thing, the best way to make sure that you're keeping up to date with the podcast is subs- to subscribe, um, whether that's iTunes or your Android provider, and uh, that way you'll never miss, never miss a podcast when it drops. Exactly. Um, so thanks just for having me tonight, off, mate. Uh, one oh, thing we haven't, we haven't mentioned all night, and we've been very remiss... Our missing member, Stephen. Well, I think it's just a given, isn't it? We've got guests, so Stephen's not here. <laughs> uh, no, Stephen, shout out to Stephen. He's actually attending his dad's 60th birthday tonight. So being a good son um, instead of having all this phantom fun with us. So hats off to you, Stephen. Good work, mate. So, uh, Jermaine, that's it from us. Thanks very much for, for being on board. No worries, mate. It was always a pleasure. All right, everybody, until next time, happy phantoming. Happy phantoming. Five hundred years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks. The Phantom! Enemies beware, the Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds you.